0: We are back for part two of our discussion on road rage, which some people believe is an increasingly common problem and it's a threat to the safety of drivers who are either angry or not angry. We're going to talk more about some of the common characteristics of who may be a road rager and how... Um, both in the legal sense as well as in a psychological sense, we can maybe avoid these kind of incidents, whether it is uh, necessary uh, regulations or maybe just a, a mindset that people can have. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51 or send us a cacao Talk message by adding TBS EFM as a plus rent. We have in the studio two panelists, Professor Hwang Jong Uk from Hong Kong University of Foreign Studies and Professor Han So-won, uh, psychology professor at Seoul National University. Thank you both for joining us. Professor Han, um, there are recent reports that show that more than half of those who commit acts of road rage have previous criminal records. So that's, I suppose, something that could be an interesting correlation. Um Again, I guess you can't really just say, oh, this guy is a type of person who is always going to be committing road rage. But are there common characteristics of uh, people who do commit these acts? And do you think that there could be an awareness gap between what people might consider uh, aggressive driving in what they do, but then what they recognize in others might be a different thing?
1: Uh, I didn't know about the relationship between road rage and criminal record. Uh, those criminal acts of road rage should be treated just like other violent crimes, but I think there are differences between criminal acts and our getting upset from time to time and snap um, you know life can be stressful, and those who are relatively well controlling our stress uh sometimes you can snap snap, and especially when you don 't have energy uh to consciously control our behavior. People can act violent in any form, but if they have a gun, they can damage. Uh, deadly. Uh, problem road rage is that you're driving a car and then it can be a weapon. Uh, people think they can show the peace of their mind or even teach others a lesson, but that's not really happening. Um, so I don't think it's just like those uh, criminals, those with criminal records who can commit road rage. That can be the problem. I think everybody, the anger in us and those can commit a small uh, road rage and then they can cause accident and then that can be considered more seriously as well. Because we consider ourselves to be safe, cautious drivers, but we consider others to be more careless and reckless. Mm. So we overestimate others and underestimate our chance of getting into accident. But what we can do is just to change our behavior instead of just uh, they have a uh, clean record and then they can commit more road rage. So instead of doing that, we can control our own behavior.
0: Right. So sort of a say la vie type of situation, right? I mean, you have no control over how people are going to behave or what their backgrounds are and all that. But what you can control is the way you act and the way you react to uh, certain situations like this. So- Professor Huang, and again, this is something that's maybe uh, a product of what uh, the media has sort of been attributing as um, potential causalities. But uh, there's been a the debate over deregulation and making the uh, environment here a little bit more easier, smoother, cut out the red tape. A driver's license test sort of streamlining process in 2011 uh, under the then Lee Myung-bak government um, could you—is it a stretch to think that um, this has now caused a, a greater lack of public awareness in terms of how you can be an appropriate driver?
2: Well, I'm not exactly sure how much of a this norm of appropriate driving one gets by going through the driver's test process. Uh, on one hand, uh, you know, Korean police actually did a, a concentrated crackdown on road rage in February and March of this year. And if you look at the drivers who actually engage in, in, uh, in the road rage behavior, the, the majority were in their 30s and 40s. So you know, g- taking their age into account, it's not likely that they actually got their driver's license within the last five years. So it probably does. I, 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 so it's a little hard for me to actually believe that there is a strong correlation between the whatever changes to the standards on the drivers' uh, drivers' uh, licensing test and the road rage behavior.
0: Some legitimate concerns, Professor Huang, are the fact that a lot of people point to maybe taxi drivers driving in a way that is not considered safe or proper. A lot of the taxi drivers are elderly, and there have been calls that you do have to make some stringent measures in place, maybe uh, um, require that elderly drivers have a more frequent, uh, I guess, uh, period of time to, uh, to renew their licenses. Uh, there's been reports of, uh, I suppose, uh, ethnic... Um, Korean Chinese people who come in and have been easily able to obtain licenses and people who are sort of acting as sort of proxies to get those licenses because the process is streamlined, then maybe not be qualified. Those are issues that should be cleaned up, but that doesn't necessarily have anything correlated with... with the increase of road rage incidents, right?
2: I mean, I suppose if you dig down into the data and do more research, you might actually be able to find some connection, I suppose, but at least on the uh, kind of a big level uh, data that's out there, I don't see any evidence to actually point it that way. I mean, there are a lot of things to criticize about, you know, loopholes we have in the you know, driver's test procedure in Korea, but, you know, it's one bad thing does not necessarily lead to another bad thing, I and, mean, right. you know, it's, one should be careful about drawing conclusions about the, uh, causations here.
0: Now, uh, the the sense that a lot of our listeners might be having if they're just being exposed to this issue for the first time and, and the way our panelists have been providing their analysis is that. Why are we talking about – why is this such a big deal? Well, apparently the media thinks so and um, even the police agency, right, uh, earlier this month, as I had mentioned, uh, they announced a, a six-hour-long mandatory education program uh, originally given to reckless drivers, uh, to people who commit uh, road rage. Um, they say it's serious. I mean the police officially are saying that they think this is a pro- – how effective are these kind of programs? How, it may be this particular program in terms of curbing road rage incidents.
2: Well, if you think that the six-hour-long education program will provide education and that will actually change behavior, I think I'm somewhat uh, you know, suspicious about that, uh, such claim. There is some survey out there, you know, done back in 2012 that shows some correlation between a more reckless driving behavior and more road rage behavior with, you know, more education, more income. So it doesn't mean that just because you have more education, you might actually uh, behave more carefully. So, you know, if you look at it as, uh, you know, education-affecting behavior, I really don't see it as a you know, strong deterrent. On the other hand, if six hour long program is you know, creating enough of an inconvenience to people that this is enough, enough of a deterrent sort of a, as a punitive measure, I suppose that that could actually provide some incentive for people to not engage in reckless behavior.
0: Now, Professor Han, um, do you think that government authorities should adopt more uh, i i, I don 't know if this falls into the realm of i i guess psychologically profiling somebody, but aggressive behavior screening tests uh, for people who want to get a a driver 's license um, or do you think that the government should help those who commit maybe acts of road rage let 's say they honked loudly or tailgated somebody that they should maybe put them in some kind of twelve step program or cognitive behavioral therapy uh, that would better uh, control anger and frustration?
1: Uh, I don't think government mandatory screening for aggression will be the solution. I do think those with a severe uh, violence-related mental illness should not drive. Right. But for the rest of the population with less severe aggression problem, maybe cognitive behavioral therapy to control anger and frustration, maybe that's a good idea. Uh, we need to practice how to control anger, just like we need to practice how to drive. So, cognitive therapy or other exercise to calm down um, uh, that can help uh, people override already learned habitual violent behavior, maybe that can help.
0: Right. So, overall, um, CBT is helpful, uh, maybe in the narrow context of preventing road rage. But the, the problem, I suppose, this is one issue maybe in Korean society, is that there's still a stigma of anybody who's deemed relatively a healthy normal person that uh, gets some kind of psychological counseling if they're known that that uh, it seems like here in Korean society is still a little bit considered a little bit taboo compared to maybe other countries uh, whereas being angry maybe is not as considered taboo i mean there does seem to be that kind of dichotomy here right in terms of Korean society
1: um- Actually, the terminology for road rage in Korean, and I think that's a revenge driving, uh-huh. close to re- So, but there's a difference between revenge driving and road rage, and uh, I think Korean society people tend to think it's a revenge driving. They're trying to do something, trying to hurt others mm. more purposely. So we uh, attribute that way. That's why they think uh, road rage is such a big deal. Okay. And um, but just uh, maybe. Just, uh, but there's there are consequences because they are driving and then they can uh, there can be accidents and then they can hurt and they kill people. But uh, it is starting with this like anger problem. And if you simply just uh, doing just a little bit, t- you you had to cut in. But if you show your hand and then saying you're sorry with your hand gesture, that kind of little thing can calm down the situation mm. and avoid a lot of problems. Instead of trying to um, government mandatory screening for aggression. It, uh, again, like really severe violent problem, uh, mental illness should be uh, right. considered. But um, like we're not perfectly healthy physically. Even those who are perfectly healthy, you can get cold and then you can have some problems here time to time. Um, for mental problems, you may get um, stressed. You may get uh, anger problem from time to time because life can be stressful. Uh, we cannot just... Uh, Screen and then point. Oh yeah, this person is too angry and then cannot control anger, so shouldn't drive. I don't think that's the solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it does seem like there would be some. Uh, uh personal civil liberties issues involved uh, with something like that if it became mandatory. Professor Huang, one concern, I guess, for a lot of parents out there, or especially just people who use public transportation, that is that uh, there have been documented cases of bus drivers who may be um, succumbing to road rage or maybe, as uh, Professor Han said, this specific instance of revenge uh, driving, of uh, actually trying to um, right a wrong that they've been perceived to have been a slight against them. But uh, the problem is this is not a guy... uh, Alone in his sedan. This is a, a bus driver that is uh, shuttling a, a bunch of innocent people around. Um, th- is there sup- supposedly a legal argument to be made that uh, these kind of uh, violators should face more stronger? Punishments And generally, what would be some of the uh, penalties here? Because I guess a lot of people would say that um, and they do that. I mean, they say that about a lot of different laws, but that that the penalties for road rage or these kind of incidents are too lenient.
2: Well, the Korean police has gotten the, uh, the penalty a little stronger in the last year. Basically, ever since February of this year, you could actually go to jail, uh, up to a year in jail, just for engaging in uh, reckless driving. And not only the Korean police has uh, publicly stated that, you know, other other than the traffic laws, they're actually willing to use criminal law to pr- pr- to pr- prosecute you if you engage in behavior that, uh, that you know, credibly uh, endanger other people's safety. Having said that, you know, the, the taxis and you know, bus drivers drivers engage in you know, road rage behavior is relatively uncommon behavior in Korea, statistical speaking. Uh, it, when I talked about the, the major crackdown on reckless driving back in February of this year by the Korean police, the bus bus drivers accounted for about 3.2% of the behavior and the taxi drivers uh, accounted for about 4.6% of the behavior. So they were in a uh, really small minority of all the older cases. It's t- it tends to be the regular drivers in the, in the, the, um, the regular uh, sedans, the people drive so you know it's not uh, as big of a problem as uh, compared to the entire uh, entire po- entire problem
0: what are some of the reasons why uh, that not just the police but the way the media has reported that this has become such a big trend or or social problem and, and it needs to be fixed because you've been citing very just cold hard statistics and you know the 3% of uh, public transportation, of taxi drivers, bus drivers are involved in this. But it is seemingly made out to be um, – and, and I know you're not definitely not poo-pooing the situation, obviously. People who are guilty of this type of behavior should be punished for it. But why do you think that it has been sort of hyped up in in, in a way that – Perhaps leads the public to believe that it is a bigger problem than the actual reality
2: well, I think you know cold statistics tends to be rather boring you know it doesn't make a very good story. What does make a really good story is a kind of a sensational story it's like you know you, uh, you refer to an incident where a young woman threw out a dog excrement out of the window you know that makes for a very nice media story and also there was a story I think was a, a few few months ago where you know the preschooler was killed by by a bus you in know a, in, a, in a nearby neighborhood road just Because the bus driver was not watching enough, that kind of cases, along with you know a lot more widespread use of camcorders, dash cam, dash camcorders. I mean, that actually capture a lot of this behavior does make you know certain incidents much more prominent in people's minds.
0: So it's one of those things again where it's always been going on, it's always been happening but because of technology, because almost everybody has these black boss type of devices that you can actually, and the, the use of social media and it can just go viral right away, that you're just seeing a lot of this stuff now accessible.
2: Right, and that's to actually say that's not a bad thing right, in a right. sense that maybe it was an overlooked problem that we should have looked at but that, you know, public has not been made aware of it, all you had was cold statistics or even just no statistics whatsoever so, so that, you know, maybe this is just a belated way of Korean society catching up and say, hey this There is this problem that has been happening for a long time, and, and it is serious, and we should do something about it. And in that sense, I, I think it's a, that, that is a positive development. Okay.
0: But it's not necessarily analogous to sort of what people would say comparably. Uh, there's been so many reports of sexual assaults or sexual harassment cases and people coming forward and reporting. But even though it's still a small percentage of the actual victims, perhaps the number of reports have gone up. Uh, not necessarily to say both are overblown problems, right? Because one problem is certainly serious and needs to be dealt with, and the other problem is also serious, but perhaps um, the statistics are boring, as you say.
2: Sure, I'll definitely agree with that uh, characterization. Professor
0: Han, uh, again, um, maybe just aside from the issue of road rage, specifically or revenge driving, um, as someone who is an expert in psychology, uh, I guess without uh, a, a... full-on therapy session with all of our listeners. What can we generally do to bring down the volume of anger and, and rage uh, inside any of us who are susceptible to road rage?
1: Um, the relationship between behavior and emotion that can be bi-directional. bidirectional. So, so we smile because we're happy, but if you smile, that's going to make you happy as well. So we can practice how to control our anger. If you just act, uh, behave a certain way and if you stretch and exercise and just uh, smile and bring positive things, uh, positive tone and say positive things, that can actually control your um, emotion. So... Um, we can control behavior so that moderate positive behavior will be the automatic response. Then that is better not only for safe road, but also for well-being in life.
0: Right. And it's, again, a gener- generic sort of uh, motto or standard to sort of uh, try to adhere to is not just when you're driving, but I guess the overall outlook of life if you follow some of the steps. And o- honestly, it is obviously easier said than done to yes. to do all of these things, sure. but uh, it could bring you a little bit more serenity and maybe uh, bri- brighten your outlook in terms of these things. Professor Huang, a couple of Comments coming in from our listeners here uh, from Cacao Raymond uh, saying a road rage should be treated harshly as if it was a deadly weapon. It can kill and harm the public. And then 1580 texting saying road rage in Korea seems to reflect social hierarchy. Um, Drivers of cheaper cars usually do not offend cars uh, that are higher in price or class, whereas bigger cars engage in offending smaller cars thanks to the power of their engines. And I think that's really getting to the heart of this issue. Like you said, the statistics are boring. It's not necessarily something that is this huge (laughs) global phenomenon that it's not like the the MERS outbreak or anything like that, but there is a sense, and whether it's the uh, uh, cases of, let's say, the so-called kapchil incidents, right? People right. who have uh, a power over somebody in in this hierarchy that lords it over uh, whether it's the issue of economic polarization and the sense that the rich guys are, are getting ahead and the poor guys are getting poor and maybe even just the anti-sentiment uh, with how the chevels are sort of abusing their powers, that maybe that is sort of fomenting this sense and that is sort of an indirect reason of why this uh, road rage focus is really perhaps... A symptom of the way per society is feeling about general things rather than actually the incident and that being problematic in and of itself.
2: It might as well be, I mean, it, uh, the last comment actually reminds me of a, a psychology study that was done in San Francisco that actually looked at the cars and the uh, kind of reckless behavior. And it tended to be that the cars that were more expensive tended to be more reckless rather than the cars that were, were less expensive. And it seems to me that, you know, the San Francisco is also well known to have that kind of, the kind of inequality driven uh, social conflict uh, uh, popping up. And I think in Korea, too, the kind of people's the general perception of, you know, people driving expensive cars versus less expensive cars also relate to the social problems that you know, Korean society faces right now.
0: Yeah, I guess the unfortunate situation is It does have that sense that if you're driving this imported Italian supercar sports machine, um, even putting a slight dent on that, if you're driving a 1970 (laughs) beat-up Hyundai uh, hatchback, um, the person who's going to end up financially more devastated by that obviously is going to be the driver of that smaller car. Uh, Any final thoughts as far as the the psychology of all this concern in terms of maybe this is a symptom of the wider sort of public view about things being unfair or unequal um,
1: again uh, people tend to overestimate uh, others fault and then underestimate our own uh, uh, problem so also those uh, those problem you mentioned if there is a a expensive car doing slightly like slightly like really small mm. even if it's a small road range and it's gonna stand up and if there are a lot of other smaller cars doing smaller road range but uh, then you can say oh yeah there's a uh, expensive car doing that thing and then that's gonna hurt people's feeling more so the perception of the problem can cause another social problem i no. think
0: Very interesting perspective, indeed. I want to thank both professors for joining us. Uh, Professor Huang, as always, thank you. And Professor Han So-won, thanks for joining us as well. Appreciate your time.
2: Thank you very much.